Who better than you? Good afternoon. Today is March 28th, 2022. My name is Greg Robinson, and I want to welcome you all to the Who Better Than You podcast. I am the CEO and founder of Revar Capital Partners and the Diagnostic Service Center. And I am also the big stepper host of the Who Better Than You podcast. And I want to thank you guys for joining us all today. Um, Today's going to be an interesting topic, and I know all of our topics are interesting topics, so I always say that, but it's just a part of my spew, and I do my best to make sure uh, that the content that we're covering not only speaks to the channel, but it provides the the value that we're looking to bring you guys, uh, and it discusses and creates the conversation and provokes thought around things that are meaningful to us and to this culture, to the community, and to our subscribers, Right. It's time to talk about the great resignation, folks. Um, And I think it's a hard one. This is going to be a hard conversation because I I did a ton of research. I looked around. I got a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts. I have my opinions. And I just want to make sure that we keep this very flat and solid and that we're clear in understanding that this is just my opinion. It's always just my opinion. We don't ever have to call it fact. It's always just my opinion. And I think that, especially from the who better than you narrative. We have to talk about this. It is time to talk about the great resignation. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into it. The great resignation has changed the talent acquisition model in unforeseeable and unmitigatable ways more bad than good. The workforce ecosystem is defined as a structure focused on value creation for an organization that consists of Complementary and interdependency with a structure that encompasses actors from within an organization and beyond working to pursue both individual and collective goals. And it has certainly been tainted for the foreseeable future with ramifications greater than what we can imagine. According to some, so I got some data points to you guys, and I think it's going to be interesting, right? So according to a survey conducted by Microsoft, 52% of people polled said that they are likely to consider changing employers this year. Now, that's up 3% from last year, and Microsoft also refers to the the polled group as Generation Z. And so the age frame is from, say, 18 to 26 years old, and millennials who fit into that same category are from ages 27 to 41. Now, in contrast, only 35% of Gen X, 42 to 55 years old, and boomers, 56 to 75 years old, say that they are thinking of changing their jobs, right? A global survey conducted amongst 31,102 full-time employees or self-employed workers not only indicated that the great, and and, and that, that poll just indicated that the great resignation is here to stay. Right now, from a global perspective, Randstad, Randstad, I'm sorry, forgive me. Polled that all seven in every ten British employees say that they feel confident of moving to a new job in the next couple of months, and only 16% of the workers describe themselves as worried about trying to get a new job. Right, almost seven in every ten British employees said that they feel comfortable moving to a new job in the next couple of months. So 
The great resignation is here, and job loyalty is a thing of the past, said Victoria Short, and she's the CEO of Randstad UK. Very interesting. So where we have to go next here, trying to be a little bit more organized with you guys, we have to look at the root of the problem here. So now what's the root of the problem driving the great resignation? Now, in my opinion, the root is a bit more complex, but yet simple than it appears. 50% of this is based on how organi organizational is based on organizational misappropriation of value. And I think that that's a big thing. We've discussed that before on the podcast, um, how organizations place their value on their, their human assets, their contributors, their actors. Um, and I think there's a big misappropriation there. Without the workers, without the associate level individuals, without the actual workforce, without the human assets, a business has nothing. That's pivotal. The people are the business and the business is for the people, right? And when I say the people, I'm not talking about your clients, we know that. I'm talking about your staff, your managers, your customer service representatives, your admin support, your operational support, your operations managers, your partner support, your, your soldiers, the people who are in the trenches on the front lines every day working for the organization. They are the organization. And their value has to be assessed as such. Nothing wrong with that. That is very true. Now, the other 25% is an inflated value of self. That's a, that's a big thing. Right, but the remaining twenty-five percent is just the ability to, to to leverage market opportunities. Now, the truth is, is that the problem started long before COVID and the pandemic. I keep seeing that there is this this huge point to COVID and the pandemic. No, no, no. The issue started long before COVID. Now, research has pointed to a positive culture, mental health, and well-being benefits, as well as a sense of purpose, meaning, flexible work hours and more than two weeks paid vacation in a year is how we today define a great work environment, which is amazing in sentiment, but it's far from reality. I've got a couple of struggles with that notion. The opposite side of these points are right. They're like a rites of passage to your next phase of life, your career, and you can't get there without going through these notions, in my opinion. Some of it is almost like a healthy hazing process because there are parts of hazing that is healthy, right? I mean, no one has to agree with me. It's the truth, though, in my own opinion. Uh, and, and going through those healthy hazing process absolutely should be a badge of honor worn because um, without going through those difficulties in order to obtain your success, um, you're, you, I mean, you never get the skills, the life trainings, the institutional knowledge, and the wisdom that you need to be successful on your next assignment as a part of your ascension. Every bit of it is for tomorrow and the day after. Every, I mean, every ounce of the struggle, every bit of everything that you're going to go through, all of that, it's, it's all a part of it, right? 
the 40 hour, the 40 plus hour work weeks, the extended weekends to meet deadlines, the 50 doors a day to exceed your goals, the volunteering to join a high value process and stretch your bandwidth to death to move a needle will pay you dividends 360 on the other side. But what dividends are you going to get if, we don't, if you don't go through them? There's so many lessons, so much wisdom, so much institutional knowledge that's only passed through, going, through those obstacles, through the level of mastery, through excelling in, in these environments with these obstacles and these different things that you're up against. The other side of it is wealth and greatness. But unfortunately, via the great resignation, if, if the company's been and they fold and we make these adjustments, you can't get where you're, you can't get to greatness without going through the actual stretching your bandwidth. You can't get to greatness without going through 50 plus hour work weeks in order to move your career, in order to meet your deadlines. You can't get to the greatness without understanding that those weekend projects, that those projects that span themselves from Monday to Friday and extended themselves to the weekend, you, you, you can't get to greatness, without, to greatness without completing those, without, without understanding the process that you went through for those. You won't get the knowledge from them either. How do you continue to be successful, meet your deadlines, and create a healthy work-life balance, right? You're never going to learn those skills, and trust me, You'll need those skills at your next assignment, especially in your ascension, as you evolve, as you move through your career ladder. For a lot of you, as you make that next great leap in your ascension and you become a productive and successful entrepreneur, where do you, where do you think you're going to learn those skills? Anybody who's ever been to business school will tell you. Most of the things that they use today in business, they did not learn at their post-secondary educational stop. Whether it was their local college or university, junior college, any of that, they never, they didn't learn it there, right? They learned it in the school of hard knocks. They learned it in real time. They learned it by doing it. They jumped off of the porch in their profession. And they took everything that came with it, right? Again, you can't get there without going through it. And you're going to miss so many lessons. And unfortunately, it, 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 those lessons, the, 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 going through it is the only way you're going to get them. Right? The value behind the process is actually invaluable because you can't cultivate a positive culture without learning how to thrive and manage in a negative culture. You can't grow your mental dexterity without learning to navigate and thrive environments that lack mental health and well-being benefits. You can't certainly never learn to take your flexible work hours and make them purposeful and value-driven if you've never learned to navigate life through your career without that. Most people don't want to hear this, but there's so much truth in it. And while it's important 
to have all of the, these things that we're asking for, your, your mental health and well-being benefits and a positive culture, a sense of purpose and meaning. Your sense of purpose and meaning is not career-driven alone, nor is it the sole responsibility of the organizations that you represent and subscribe to and work for every day. Do you know in my lifetime how many people I've met that had a rumbling and bustling and thriving career, and they were miserable? They had all the professional success that any of us could have ever wanted. We envy, I envied their personal and their professional success, especially their professional success. I said to myself, you know how many times I've seen an individual and I'm just like, they, where they are right now, that's where I'm trying to be. That's where I want to be. I mean, I want their work acumen. I want their, they, they got it all. They've got an amazing career. This person is the hardest working person I've ever seen. I want to duplicate that effort. And then I got to know them and talk to them and with all of that, they still felt like they had no purpose because their careers didn't have anything to do with their lack of purpose. It was their life. They had just misappropriated where the real issue is because that's human nature. We will pick a fight, we'll pick a bone, we'll pick an argument with somebody over something that's really peanuts to an elephant. And if that person has enough level of awareness mental fortitude and emotional intelligence, they can quickly navigate and stop you and say, okay, so what's the real problem here? That isn't it. I hear what you're saying, and we can address it. We can work towards it, but that's not really the problem. What's really going on with you? Right? If we remove those things, there's so many lessons, and there's so much. I mean, I can't put a value on the things and the lessons and the wisdom that I got that I use today to be successful in enterprise, to be a successful entrepreneur and to be a successful leader. And I can assure you that without the 50 plus hour work weeks, right? Without the lack there of a real balance, without the working through positive negative cultures, there's so much that I learned that I use today as, and, and that's a rites of passage almost. Like I, without going through those things, I, I couldn't have learned them at all. There's no way, right? So as much as, I don't want us to run a, a fallacy. Look, and, and the residual returns on it in the, in, in the future, I mean, they're, oh gosh. We have to learn to be resilient. Now, do we need to address the elephant in the room? But yes, but how do we create a system that ensures that one, those things happen for a moment in time, and two, that you're given a fair opportunity to let that institutional knowledge that you gain from going through those things actually move the needle for you and create a positive work environment going forward and create a positive career climate for you going forward. That is the real, that's really what the, the question should be and that's really what the conversation should be around. It shouldn't be around removing the process because see, I'm a very big believer that 
So that's a part of the process. And in order for you to be successful, you absolutely have to find a way to fall in love with that. You And, and, and if you can't find a, a way to fall in love with it, you need to find a way to go through it so that you can get what you need out of it. Because too many times we've misappropriated that value. We say it was for the company. Oh, no, 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 no. It was for the company, but it was perspective is everything. It was more for you than it ever was for the company. The jewels that you've learned going through those things, you where you will take them well past your company. We know that you're leaving. Two to five, best. And those bullets on your resume are going to equate to additional compensation. They're going to equate to your ascension. They're going to equate to your growth. They're going to equate to your new assignment, which is very different than your old one. But you need those traumas so that they can evolve into wisdom. And there's so many positive lessons and so many positive points of that wisdom that you're not going to get if you don't ever go through it. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to gamble that for sure is going to stifle your growth. Now, we all know, listen, I am an, a, a huge fan of the ugly, unbearable side of the process and finding ways to love it, master it, and then overcome it. So many of the people we love and adore and we idolize not only made it through these struggles, but they found ways to love it, master it, and overcome it and create amazing environments and ecosystems for themselves and others the ugly, there is no participation process. There is no participation trophy in this process. There's no third party service selling an expedited package of completion. You must go through it to come out on the other side. I believe so much of it actually has to do with how we define the outcome of it all and if we're married to what that outcome looks like. We look at it as if it's all for them, the company, the owners, the shareholders, et cetera, et cetera. They benefit the most from it, more than we do. I, I heard that so much. And that's, but that's if you let them. Perception is everything. It's if you let them. The truth is, is that you're not doing it for them. It may appear to be that way, but you're really doing it for you, for your purpose, Right? for your tomorrow, for your future, for your growth, for your next assignment, for your elevation, for your elevation, for, for your ascension. It's for you. It's not for them. I, if I sat back and I looked at, if I took everything and I, I created a bucket list and I looked at everything that I learned going through these things because my wife can contest to and, uh, and many of the people around me can contest to, I worked 65-hour work weeks for three consecutive years, two jobs. One, and one of them was in my professional capacity, and one of them was a backup to help me get to the next spot, to help me get to my next assignment, to help with my ascension. Four of those days, I only slept two hours in between them and still participated in special projects. Still rose my, I, I rose my hand every time there was an opportunity to learn something new on two hours of sleep, if that. Weekend deadlines, client visits until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Some, 
there, a couple of my clients were nightclub owners. So the only time that you could actually get a seat with them was after 11 p.m. when they showed up at the venue. Many a nights, I, I, I leave the house, my children are sleeping. It's bright and it's super early in the morning. It's 6, 6.30 in the morning. I like to get in the field early, so I take my time. I can map things out. I can get myself ready, get myself hyped up, get myself motivated. And when I get back there in their 17th summer, days without seeing them, missing them to death, waiting, waiting for me to get a clear space so that I could just melt myself and my children and in my family and enjoy them for that moment in time, right? Still in the back of my mind, thinking about my next move. Still thinking in the back of my mind, the next set of deals I'm going to get closed to cover this weekend that I just blew up with these children and with my wife from a financial standpoint. Well, we spent $4,000, $5,000. If I, that equates to six more deals. If I can do six deals next week, that'll put that money back, right? So it's all, it's, 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 I needed every bit of it. And so much of it, I, so much of the things that I use today, I learned on those assignments. I learned to exercise my mind and my spirit for mental dexterity and endurance from working in an environment that completely maxed that out for me. I learned how to be in control of a positive flow of energy within my reality from being and working and having to go through, thrive, and grow in environments that did not yield me that at all. I learned the value of pushing my deadlines. I learned the value of the only time failing is an option is when failing is an option for being inside toxic environments that did not yield me any other result and becoming successful in them. I learned how to have a work-life balance and the value of it and the importance of it and how to manage that working almost 70 hours a week. And when I got, and, and what I can tell you guys is when I got to my next assignment, oh, the universe paid me dividends 360 and let all the glory be to the abundance that I received. And when that opportunity got, came knocking at my door and I opened it and, and invited that opportunity in, oh, was I prepared? I was prepared for it in an abundance. Why? I had already been to war in my career. And I learned so much, right? It took seven, 17, no, almost 19 weeks to receive my first payment on my own. I was prepared. I was ready for war. I didn't have, I had a handful of people that were around me in the very beginning, and some of them are still with me today. I didn't have a big staff. In order to push it, I had to wear 17 different hats, 12, 13, 14 hour days with the goal right here. And I was, I was prepared for that. I was ready. I had done it for someone else. Because I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but all of you who are talking, who, who wake up every day and you speak it to your existence, that your next stop, your, your, your next level of ascension is to entrepreneurship. There is no time clock. And at least for your first two to five, 
Work-life balance where? Because if you don't kill, you don't eat. But there's the, but see, everybody wants the glory of it without, but you got to take everything that comes with it. And if you've never had to overcome these obstacles in your career, how are you going to do, how do you plan on doing it for yourself? You can't do anything for others that you can't do for yourself. And most of the things that you need to learn in order to do for others, you're going to learn doing them for others. A lot of times we discount the fact that those companies, they absorbed all of the risk. We don't like to talk about it. We, we don't have to. Yes, we do. Put a dollar sign by all the resources that you wasted on the mistakes that were made as you were going through the process, and they still carried it. Who you want, whose dime do you want to make mistakes on? Yours or theirs? Whose dime do you want to learn on? Yours or theirs? Nobody puts a value prop around, okay, this company spent $20,000 training and onboarding me. They're not even going to be at a break even until a year from now. I haven't even be, I haven't even been begin to return the value that they've invested in me until well over a year from now. And I'm going to make several, a ton of mistakes working for them that is, that's going to cost them additional thousands of dollars. Some of the mistakes that I made working for other people's may have cost them a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I got the lesson and the skill and the wisdom on someone else's dime. Somebody else carried all those risks. Because whether I completed the task or not, my salary was dispersed to me accordingly. And that salary was dispersed to me accordingly whether I worked 40 hours, whether I worked 80 hours, whether I worked 20 hours, whether I worked 100 hours. Whether I was successful or failed, my children and my wife and the people who accounted on me the most and who depended on me the most, they were still accounted for. That is a heavy burden to carry. And that is one that you'll get to a point in your ascension where that, that, will be that, that parachute will be removed from the table. And you're going to free fall. And where you land in the jungle of the world, in the jungle of your career, in the jungle of your market, in the jungle of your profession, them Green Beret skills that you learned in training is going to take effect. So what happens when you get there, but you never went through any of those obstacles, so you're not prepared? That becomes like a huge thing. Every bit of it is a part of the preparation for your greatness. And yes, it's uncomfortable. And in order for you to win, you're going to have to learn how to get comfortable in being uncomfortable. What did we give up? You gave up, you worked on that weekend project and you gave up your personal time to overindulge in 2K or in FIFA or Xbox? Did you, you gave, you didn't have, you gave up your personal time so you didn't get a chance to day drink and go to the pool parties and blow up a bunch of money that you didn't have in the first place to only struggle to make it through to the next two weeks so you get paid anyway? Or did you, end up blowing up a bunch of money for a boyfriend slash girlfriend that in less than six months they're going to be a thing of the past anyway? 
And there's a very good chance, depending on what side of that coin you sit on, it's going to have something to do with, one, the fact that you weren't ready-made in the first place. Two, they don't believe that your career is going anywhere because they've given you what they deemed as enough time and you're not moving that needle anyway. And three, you don't make enough money. Whenever you, every time you took them out for day drinking, they needed to loan you gas and lunch money for you to carry through to the next two weeks by the following Monday. Which one? That, that, that work-life balance for, that, that you guys are asking for. You know, I've seen in my career a lot of times um, that work-life balance, people getting themselves in trouble with that balance, too much free time. Right. And then or people who have you. One of the things that I've never been able to discount for the most part in my life, everyone I've seen that had it too early, never had a pot to piss in in the first place. What kind of I've always been a very big component of believing in this. The quality of time can overcome the quantity of said time. So when my career was thriving and bustling. And, and, and moving, and yeah, I was working 60 plus hours a week and, and in these negative energy environments, I'm one of the top sales professionals in the organization. I'm still fighting tooth and nail to get inside of their little boys club from a bunch of dudes that couldn't close the front door, let alone their own zipper. I closed their deals and mine, but because they're in the boys club, they're elite, right? I make winner circle these dudes struggle to close 50 deals in a year. I could close 50 in a month. But because they've attached themselves to a leader somewhere and created this elite fraternity, whether or not they could put the proof in the pudding, there's, if I hadn't have gone through that, though, ho, the things that I learned from navigating that environment. And, yes, my, I miss my wife. I miss my children. I miss my grandmother. I miss my family. I did because I was working a lot with them right here, with their success right here, with their futures right here. Let me show you something now. All right, honey, um, we're going to take this weekend right here. On Friday, I've got something special planned for us. I I've taken some time off. We're going to do a staycation. And from Friday night until Sunday brunch, me and my children stayed on a Ritz-Carlton Ritz property. And I went to water parks with them. I took my wife out for amazing dinners and we spent amazing one-on-one -on -one time together in these beautiful environments and we enjoyed different foods that really watered our palates. I did amazing water activities with my children. Right? There were bottles of champagnes everywhere with me and my wife's name on it everywhere we go. People almost waiting on us hand and foot, Mr. and Mrs. Robinson, okay? Now, on the other side of that, there goes the quality of time. My wife knew, my children knew, and Monday morning, Daddy's going to get back at it, but we made memories together. Now, on the other side of that, what, 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 what's the value in the time of us if I'm sitting with the children and I'm sitting with my wife and we're watching paint dry? I've been home every day by 5 o'clock, and we don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. But I'm home every day by 5 o'clock. I'm here every day to help my wife mop the floors and change out the laundry, to help her uh, to unlo unload and, and to load and unload the dishwasher. Can barely make the car payment. The lights are barely on. 
My wife is in the grocery store. She can't even, she, she's picking and choosing which, 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 which product we need to buy because we can't, she can't afford to spend the money that it takes to give all of us everything that we need, right? Because we, we bring, that's the beautiful thing about the magic of woman. You bring them wall goods and they, if, I, if I give you, if you give a woman a house, she will make it a home. If I give her raw food, she will make it a meal. If you give her children, she will make them successful adults. If, she, if you give her life, she will make you a happy one. Right? So that's magic. But if I, if I can't give them anything, if there's nothing, if I can't give them anything, then what, what quality is in the time of us, of five of us sharing one bag of popcorn. Sitting on the couch that's too small for the five of us to fit in an apartment that we outgrew three years ago. I can't even take her to the beach. Gas is $4 a gallon. I'm all struggling with the price of the fuel for me to commute back and forth to work on a weekly basis as possible. If I, I am one paycheck away from us losing it all, but I'm home every day, unloading dishes and making park trips. And we're barely making it month to month. These kids, are get, every day they wake up, they get a little older. I don't have a dollar for college. I don't have a college. For, I don't even have a way. Ask yourself, you know, I, 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 and I had to ask myself at some particular point, the quality of time over the quantity of time. I wanted to make sure that my children's futures were accounted for and that tomorrow was always accounted for. And I also wanted to make sure that the time that we spent together would, would, would burn with glory inside of their minds and inside of their hearts long after I'm gone. And it is the quality of time, right? Rather, I, no matter where we stay, activities or activities, like I get people, I understand the notion behind that, but that's not the reality. As a, even as a child right now, some of the greatest memories I have is with my dad at different sporting events in the owner's box, right? I, some of my greatest memories, jet skis, boat rides, different, different trips, and we saw amazing things, and we went to go see amazing venues that they had in the different cities that we went to. And I spent I, I, I spent one-on-one -on -one time with my dad. My dad took me to Chicago and uh, we were in downtown and we flicked the bean together and then we went to go see the tallest building. Right? Lessons, right? So much time from there. Those are the things that I remember. Do I remember the midnight snacks? My, hearing my dad shoot down the stairs at midnight and he getting ready to fix himself a midnight snack and I go downstairs and he sees me peek around the corner so he picks me up, he sits me on the counter, cuts me a piece of the cake too. Gives me a lesson. Yeah, I remember those too. But all of that is there. You know one of the most valuable things that I remember? The vision. My father had an incredible amount of success in his career and it was a visual for me. I got to see what success looked like from early on. And it didn't have to dribble a ball, tell a joke, or sing a song and entertain someone. I'm going to cut it there.
for today. I'm going to leave that there on the table. I think one of the biggest things that we have to keep in mind is we have to be mindful of what we're asking for. And I'm not saying that the great resignation doesn't have power. What I am saying is that there are going to be if organizations conform to the things that people are truly asking for, we need to come together and find a middle ground here. We need them as much as they need us. But if they conform and give you everything that you don't understand how much you're shortchanging yourself just for some of the things that they're asking for up front, you, don't, you have no idea the skills, the tools, and the wisdom that you're missing by not by trying to find ways to forego this here, to forego that process, to, to not have to work 40 hours a week, to, to, to not have to learn to navigate through environments that may challenge your mental health and well-being. What they're asking for is almost a facade, a utopian society. These things are only going to make sense on paper. Once we throw humans in it, it's all out of the door anyway. What we need to ask ourselves is the great resignation, it's here and it may be here to stay. But how do we work as community and come together to make our organizations environments that will award us the things that we're looking for, but also award growth and the ability to thrive from a business so that we can all share the residuals? My name is Greg Robinson. This is the Who Better Than You podcast. I want you to have a wonderful day. Don't forget to take the opportunity to stop and look the man in the mirror and ask, who better than you? Who better than you?